0: Welcome back to the Crash the Pond podcast. It is a Tuesday, uh, November 21st edition of the podcast, and uh, happy Thanksgiving Eve Eve to you, Jake.
1: Happy Thanksgiving Eve Eve. And also, yeah. it's the Crash the Pond Bowl Eve. Yeah, more importantly. Yeah, that that's way more important than Thanksgiving, is tomorrow the Ducks play the Habs, yep. which... For anyone that is a new listener, Felix is not a Ducks fan. He grew up a Montreal Canadiens fan. Which
0: is now like a contested
1: uh, statement, but that's it fine. It is. That's um, fine. And so always when the Ducks play the Canadiens, it's a fun situation. And he thrust upon me a bet today. Pause. Tw- tweeted it out uh, that uh, I would be wearing a Montreal shirt next on next week's pod if the Ducks lost to mm-hmm. Montreal. I did not agree to that, to be mm-hmm. quite clear. Mm-hmm. I had no agreement on that. But yeah. in good faith and in f- just willing to have fun, I jumped into Discord and said, I'm down. If you hold up your end of the bargain that you said, if the Ducks <laughs> were to beat Montreal, you would eat a hat on stream.
0: Yeah, you you really misconstrued everything about that whole encounter. Mm. That's fine. Okay that's fine so
1: is the bet happening or not
0: i'm not eating like how how could it be that if if the how could it be how could it be a fair bet if we're held to the exact same standard but the punishment for one person is just wearing a t-shirt and the other is devouring a hat why would i ever agree to that
1: i i don't know i was very confused why you put in discord that you would eat a hat if the ducks won convincingly
0: can there you go Convincingly. yes
1: that was that was before the bet you've the you've, bet the bet, the you've, bet tried, that, you've tried to get that out of the record but it's still there i mean the record was you just stating that that was not a part of the bet at all so if the so do you honor your end of the bet because i will
0: i mean i don't know what i'm betting on i don't know what what okay. the conditions are
1: oh the condition was you eat a hat on the stream it can be a fun hat it we don't know have, no
0: i'm saying what would lead me to do that
1: oh if the if the ducks beat the canadians
0: no, I'm not agreeing to that because that's not okay. what I said.
1: Okay, okay. Well, if there the, you have if,
0: it. If the ducks, I'll I'll make a promise to myself. If the ducks beat the canes convincingly, I will, hey, beat can, a, I will can, eat can, a hat. Can you define convincingly for everyone listening to this? And I will be the judge of convincingly. I will make okay. that. I will make that bet with myself. How about that?
1: I was gonna say I'll let you eat like a food like ha- uh, some sort of food that looks like a hat. What kind of food would look like a hat? I don't. I don't know. Like, there's got to be like a gummy hat or something like that. I don't know. But oh, all right, okay. let's get into the actual show.
0: Yeah. So, lot to talk about. Yes. And
1: are the ducks on a losing streak? Could that be? I mean, they've lost three in a row. I feel like if you lose, if you lose or you win or lose more than one game, that technically is a streak. I think NHL.com says they've, says they've lost. They've lost three in a row. Three in a row, yeah. Yeah, they've lost yeah. three in a row.
0: Yeah, so that's not good. Um, the Ducks are 9-9, nine and nine, and maybe some of that early season buzz and optimism has turned into, well, first off, a lot of scorn and hate because of the Ducks' controversial game end last Friday against the Florida Panthers. Also a dud of a performance against the Colorado Avalanche, losing 8-2, to two, and then... Just I don't want to call it a stinker against the Blues, but just kind of a game where they just came up short. Yeah. So you kind of you put all that together, and especially in the Florida game, where the Ducks did not bring their A game, had a great third period push, but you know too little, too late, plus controversial no goal call. So what you kind of have right now is maybe some uh, some discontent among the the Ducks fans ranks.
1: Yeah, and I think you're starting to see some people. I don't know if negativity is the right word because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, this team is still exceeding what all of our expectations yeah. were for them. Like yeah. the fact that they are even 500 at this point is probably at best where you expected them to be. At uh, at worst for your expectations for the team, they are well exceeding kind of where you thought they would be. So this is still a good result where they're at. I think the question though that kind of has to come up come up is. What's happening to cause this losing streak? What is? What are the differences? And I think that this is one of the things I think you and I can really do a fun dive into from both meshing, uh, meshing the numbers, because I think looking at the numbers and looking at the five on five play can really reveal a lot with what's been going on. And also kind of both of us being able to watch the games, dive into it. You do your breakdowns after the fact and kind of have this uh, after the fact watching of games to be able to get this non-emotional view of it um
0: yeah, let's go with, it, let's go with that being the reason i i'm, I'm giving you some credit there I, I, Um i prefer that explanation to other explanations but yeah. yeah after the fact because i, I want to be stoic yeah, i want to be exactly. stoic in my analysis
1: exactly um and not get caught up tweeting about games and things like that um but so i think that's something that a lot of people are probably wondering well, what's the difference here what's happening here because there's a lot of people that are saying this team's lost it there's there's some people on Twitter that have ended up in replies of mine, replies of yours, replies of of other people of ours that we've seen saying that this team doesn't have that killer edge anymore, that they they don't have the same physicality or, or whatever uh whatever situation that you want to put on it and uh or whatever claim you want to put. And kind of I think that that couldn't really be further from the truth with this team. Um and so I don't know if you want to just jump on into it. Well, there's there's definitely a mix. There's there's layers
0: to the situation, yep. and, it, and it's not all kind of one or the other. Yep. So the first thing I would say is that it, it all depends kind of what game you're looking at. So, like, for example, mm-hmm. you know, the game against the Avalanche where the Ducks are coming off a, you know, emotional win. That was the last time we did a podcast, and the vibes maybe were at their peak at that moment. Mm-hmm and you know short short rest back to back altitude and oh by the way you're playing uh you know the recent Stanley Cup champions like that's all going to conspire against you and i don't want to call it like a schedule loss but that game was set up for the ducks to lose um yeah. and it was kind of on them to rise above that and they didn't and in the process of doing so they gave up eight goals and you know the eight goals is one thing but it's more so just kind of this litany of, of errors and turnovers and misreads and that to me is kind of the theme with this ducks team right now is that on one end of the ice defensively you know they're not executing as as well as they as well as they've had you know with just kind of transition defending the neutral zone you know preventing clean exits coming out of the other team's zone on the four check and then offensively, they're not making up for it. Like they're not finding ways to, to you know, to make up for their mistakes. So does that mean that they're going to continue to be this team we've seen over the last three games? No, but that is just what I've, what I see is happening right now.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I think the one kind of big takeaway I have from this team over these last couple games is I just don't think they're generating enough offense. I think that that they're, they're not necessarily when they do get some extended zone time It is kept to the outside a lot of times. They're not really able to create cross-ice passes to create dangerous chances. And that kind of bears itself out when you look at some of the heat maps for these games. A lot of the chances are kind of coming from the outside. There's nothing really necessarily net front, nothing necessarily throughout the slot. And so I think from an offensive side uh, of things, I think that's something that really sticks out to me from these couple of games. I think a large part of it is they're really missing Trevor Zegers. And I don't know if that's something you can really necessarily fix without him being in the lineup until he's just healthy. He's a player that we've harped on a lot as being uh, excellent so far this season and not getting enough praise for the amount of chances that he's helped generate for this team. And we mentioned it on last week's pod when we talked about the game against Predators and kind of that was a bit of lackluster from an offensive chance generation, but they kind of held their own defensively to keep up with it. And missing a a Zegerson or Carlson could really – have a negative impact on generating offense i think we're still continuing to see that and i think by adding a Trevor egress into the lineup it will help from an offensive chance generation perspective especially if he was not healthy earlier on um and it kind of allows guys to slot into other spots of the lineup but i mean if we look at for instance this this last these last two games so i'm going to ignore the colorado game because that was a weird game that was like you said, playing a a very good team in Colorado on the back end of back-to-backs in elevation going from Nashville to Denver, sure, that's maybe making an excuse, but I think that that is not necessarily a game you can look at and say, this is kind of the standard for the team or a standard type of game. But if you look at the last two games against the the Florida Panthers and the St. Louis Blues at 5-on-5, they generated about 1.6 expected goals throughout both of those games. Whereas if you look at the the games, for instance, I'm going back to the last win against Vegas. They generated 2.04. The win uh, in Philadelphia, they generated 2.37 expected goals. Now, granted, throughout that, they also had some poor games. The game against Arizona at home, 0.9 goals. Uh, the game, uh, the loss, to, or uh, the win against Pittsburgh, sorry, 1.78. So it's not as if these last two games at 1.6 are out of the range for what this team has done. They're kind of right around that same thing for the winning streak, but they aren't at the high of what we saw during that winning streak from an offensive chance generation. And so I think overall they're not playing that much different than they did there in, during that winning streak, and I guess that's kind of my overall takeaway from this. It's just they're not necessarily getting the breaks and the bounces they got, especially at the end of that winning streak. And so there are certainly things that can be tightened up, but I don't think this is a oh, crap, this is actually who this team is on a three-game losing streak. It is a, well, the bounces didn't go their way. I think the St. Louis game was actually a pretty solid game from the team at five-on-five, five, the main issue as it has been is special teams. Yeah, they made, you know, it's not just special
0: teams. Like, the, the thing is that at five-on-five five, right now in this small sample, what's just killing them is just, you know, mistakes, it's just that yes. I think Fair. what what, Fair. what what we saw early in the season and I don't, I honestly don't think, and maybe, maybe this is revisionist history, mm-hmm. but I honestly don't think that in the beginning of the season, they were making as many mental errors in the defensive zone or misreads or misplays with the puck. I mean, look at the goal that they gave up against St. Louis where Alex Colorn just puts yeah. it in the middle of the ice like that that just can't happen. And, and that's, that's one of your veteran players, a Stanley Cup, multiple times Stanley Cup champion. And, you know, watching it a couple times over, like, there was no great explanation for why he did that outside of just not being careful enough. And, like, those are the kind of things that are correctable, that are not necessarily indicative of what will happen next. But right now, that is what's happening, and that's why they're finding themselves trailing or chasing games that maybe they shouldn't be trailing or chasing quite as much
1: yeah yeah I, I i think that's fair i do think though that that i think that that was maybe an outlier i don't necessarily know if we've seen a turnover that poor from this team and i guess maybe I mean, that's not there's
0: been some pretty bad ones it's just they haven't all resulted in goals like that's, i think back to troy terry's drop pass against colorado well fair. it's not in it's not in the d zone it's in the O zone. Yeah, so you, you that, have time you have time to recover but it's yes. like. That was the Trevor Zegris. That was basically almost the same thing as the Trevor Zegris snafu against, uh, I forget the team now because it's been so long. But Columbus. Troy Terry just drops it off to no one. And then, I mean, in this game, yes, it's on special teams. But, you know, Cam Fowler, Cam Fowler just kind of trying to go rogue and misreading where he should be. He actually does this a lot, even at five on five, where if he sees a one-on-one board battle he'll just leave his man and try to go get the puck because he sees it as oh maybe it's a bad puck and i can i can turn it into a 2 on 1 and get our possession back for our team it's almost like he's he's like you know itching to to just kind of be let free of this structure and maybe that's something everyone else is doing but i've been noticing that from Fowler and it's just those types of errors that in a season are going to cost you and i mean yeah. for, for for any goal so... against for any goal against to happen Mistakes do need to like a mistake needs to happen somewhere for you. Like that's just that it's the nature of the sport, but there are avoidable mistakes as well.
1: For sure. But how much of this though, I specifically talk about the chlorine this, this, I guess where I'm getting at how much of it is, is it's just a bad turnover that led to a goal against? So it's sticking out in our heads, but in totality, the way there are mistakes that are being made, but in totality, they're still playing a fine enough game and those mistakes will be cleaned up. And as long as that, we,
0: we think they will, like we don't, we don't know. Sure. We we can assume that they will, but I don't I don't think be there's determined. been a
1: I don't think there's been a turnover as bad as the Alex Kalorn turnover throughout the the season. I think that that might be one of the worst one of the worst turnovers in a poor situation that we've seen so far and so that kind of sticks out right in your head uh for the chances that they've given up. Um but overall, I don't think they played a bad game. I think that if they were to play that same exact type of game against the Blues, I think that they end up it winning that game maybe half of the time would you say I don't know if you would agree well with the problem that. with that game
0: and this is kind of a larger problem for the team right now okay. which you were pointing out with the stats is that they're just not getting a lot of offense like yep. because because of all the time spent defending in some of these games they're not able to generate clean looks and then on top of that you're missing personnel so you're missing Trevor Yep. and then there's games where Leo Carlson isn't playing and man when those when when one of those two isn't playing, it hurts. But when both of those aren't playing, like that really hurts. Because when Leo Carlson is in this lineup, it's just a different team. It's just a completely different team. Like he's he's already that
1: good to where he can carry a line. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that. Yeah, it's definitely disappointing when they're not in the lineup. You obviously understand where they're coming from when Carlson's not in there. But yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't. I'm not saying this to no, say, no, oh, I'm not, like, yeah, yeah
0: like, oh, you know, load management boo or whatever. But the fact of the matter is that they're playing kind of this, they're they're in a tough situation because they're not, they don't have the same lineup game to game. You know, Leo's played more often than not as of late because of the Zegers injury. But when he's out and when Zegers is also out, that's just a cavernous, cavernous loss. And, I mean, we actually got an update on that Zegers injury this week and Drysdale, mm-hmm. and the update is basically no update. That yep. they just there's no timeline for these guys, which is a uh, bummer. Which is concerning. I mean, yep. quite honestly, it, it's it's concerning that the two guys who missed a bunch of time in training camp uh are now both hurt and there's no timeline on their recovery.
1: Like that's uh that's you know, it's just concerning. Yep, yep, it definitely is. But on a more positive note, in terms of this past week, John Gibson has been excellent. And I think he really deserves his flower for how well for how well he has played over the stretch. He has given the ducks a chance to basically be in every single one of these games. And I mean, the, the Colorado game, he was not playing. I think that Lucas Dostal played in fine enough game did not exceed kind of expectation. Um, I think anytime you give up eight goals, right, you're not going to be happy with the game that you played. You can look at those goals and maybe say some of them are not on him, but regardless giving up that many goals based upon the chances that were given up, you, you need him to be better in those situations. But John Gibson over these two games was absolutely excellent for the Ducks, both against the Panthers and against the Blues. Gave them chances to to be in that game and to come back in that game every single stretch of the way. And I think we're seeing a bit of a resurgence from John Gibson over this last little bit. Ever since he came back from his injury, I think it's every single game he's played he's been well above expected. And I'm trying to pull up the numbers right now to be able to get that for for everyone out there. But it's really insane just how much of a, a turnaround he has had after the season he had last year.
0: Yeah, I mean, I really don't. I really hate just saying that Dostal wasn't good against Colorado because the teams on a, the back in a back to back, they're playing against Colorado. They are not playing their best. He's still a rookie goalie. Agreed. Um, like most of those goals, almost all of them weren't on him. It's just like it's just one of those things where you can look at the numbers and say, "Oh, well, he was minus four goals saved expected." It's like sometimes, like you just gotta
1: watch it and. To me, it, no. I, I'm just not throwing him under the bus for that game. Per se. I don't think I'm throwing him under the bus, but I think it's fair to say he was below what you what be. Like, sure, would eight, be. eight goals is a lot, but the team yeah. in front of him played yeah, poorly, but like we, very we, poorly. We talked about John Gibson many different times last year with the yeah. same exact thing. Though. But John where, Gibson's
0: where? also a different caliber of goalie. Like, fair, like, that, like it's a different salary, different resume. Fair, and I and I'm not different sample holding size. That, and yeah. I'm not
1: holding it against Lucas de I think it's just calling it for what it is. I think is important, which is the fact that you can dissect each goal, but at the end of the day, you do need him to be better than that. I think yeah, that I that, mean, that is I, a fair I guess statement.
0: If he's better in that game, I just, to me, like they lose like six, two. Sure. Sure. Instead sure. of eight, two fair. Like, like it, it just wouldn't have made a difference. Fair, like, but he getting... wasn't, he, he wasn't winning them that game. And then for Gibson, you know, looking at his game, part of it is the ducks, I think are prioritizing getting him some more rest which yeah. is nice.
1: <laughs> I mean, he's still played a lot. Like he, yeah. over the last week, like he's played four. I think it was four of the five games I'm looking at. He played against San Jose, played against Nashville, did not play the back-to-back in Colorado, but played yeah. against Florida, played against St. Louis. So he's played in four of the last five games.
0: Yeah. But the, so by not playing as Colorado, that got him two days of rest, you know, between mm-hmm. games. So that helps. I mean, he's yeah. not, he sure ain't the one playing the back end of the back-to-back and that's good. Like, You know, that's you wouldn't want him playing in those games. I think the biggest thing to me that's standing out with Gibson right now is just the fact that, A, this is a better environment for him. Yep. Like, undoubtedly, if you watch these games, the Ducks are just not really giving up cross ice chances against. Like, it happens very seldomly. And there isn't a goalie in this world that is going to succeed on a steady diet of, you know, cross ice chances against. And this isn't to write off uh, John Gibson's past, you know, woes because they were real. But I think right now you're just seeing what he can do behind a good system. And I don't necessarily know if it's going to continue to this degree. But he's honest, like, I don't think he's being tasked to do too much right now. And when there is a situation where he needs to step up, you know, he's got the ability to, to, to do that. And there's going to be games where that swings back the other way, where he doesn't make the save on a breakaway, you know, uh, on a shorthanded breakaway against or things like that. Like there's going to be those games where those, those big time saves aren't there, but I think just right now, his, his baseline is higher than it's, than it's been in a long time.
1: Yeah. And I think a large part of that is you look at the way the ducks have played. And we talked about this last week when, with Nashville, um, the ducks have such a, I think a well structure in their own zone where even when they do end up getting hemmed in their own zone you don't see a whole lot of breakdowns where you're getting glorious chances right through the middle of the slot i think the the blues game i think is the cologne chance i think really sticks out or the Calorn turnover that led to that chance really sticks out because there have not been many of those because the ducks have actually kept things along the wall when they do turn it over it's not typically right there where a guy can come down the slot and get a good chance like that and so i think for the most part everything is kept to the outside and you can see that when you look at some of the heat maps for the team also. That's, that's pretty much exactly, I think what they've been giving up, um, with him on the ice, the defense. Yeah. The, the vast majority of the shots are coming from around the face-off dot area. The basically the middle of the slot, they're getting below league average in terms of the chances that are coming against. And, and so I think that that is something that's been really helpful. And also just, if you look at the ducks play with him on the ice, they're averaging about 7% less than league average. In terms of expected goals against per 60 so they're playing good in front of him providing him good defense overall and keeping the shots outside of the middle of the ice and more to the outside at more kind of medium to low danger areas yeah i mean to me it's not just
0: about the shot location because that's obviously very important you don't want to yep. give up chances on the inside um but the thing is the ducks aren't allowing that puck to come across the slot yes true and and that's the biggest thing and that's what these heat maps unfortunately don't account for as of yet true and with Gibson, maybe you know there could be a scenario where those shots from the quote unquote outside are coming off of cross ice plays, and those are actually more difficult to spot than to stop than they would appear. He's not having to do that nearly as much as he's had to in the past. And then when things do break down, which is pretty rare when they're in zone, you know, like yeah. that Kalorn play isn't. I don't really put it into that category because sure. that's on a that's on a breakout. Mm-hmm. But he's he's stepping up and he's making you know, difficult saves. They're not as difficult as they've been in the past, which is good because that was an impossible standard to meet. Um, I still, I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm taking back every criticism I ever had of John Gibson because I think when you put up as many years as he did of kind of suboptimal play, I think that has to be held against you at some point when it's like three, four seasons in a row. But so far this season, he's showing that you know, maybe he won't continue this level of play, but he's just, he can probably just be average with this
1: team in front of him. And I think on the flip side of that, not necessarily throw any cold water on this play from John Gibson, but we have seen him play really well through stretches under Dallas Aikens in different situations and then go cold and kind of essentially play play absolutely horrible, horrible, uh, have some horrible games that really kind of go to the exact opposite end of the spectrum of the way that he's been playing in these games. But I I think you were about to say this, but I don't think that the structure was there in front of him in the way that it is currently to support him when he is kind of back down to earth and maybe not playing at the top level of his game. I mean, what this kind of does for me is it kind of led lends a bit of credence to a thought that I had kind of pop up last year after listening to the PDO cast with, I think Kevin Woodley was on and talking about specifically with Vancouver uh, back when John Tortorella took over the team and the fact that, They had uh, Roberto Luongo in net and John Tortorella came in and the system that he played just really did not work for Roberto Roberto Luongo. And I think it was something along the lines of uh, John Tortorella really, really relies upon shot blocking and Luongo wants to see the puck. With shot blocking, the puck can bounce kind of all different directions. It didn't allow Lozano to get good reads on pucks, and it led him to have some of the worst se- or one of the worst seasons of his career as a result of that. And it kind of leads me to this thought process of: while John Gibson needs to be better because he's being paid, how at the level that he needs to be better, regardless of the system in front of him, we talk about it with players all the time and skaters all the time of are the coaches putting them in positions to thrive and, and optimizing the way that they're playing? And I think we can look at the way that Dallas Aikens coached this team and say that they, it could be possible that the system he employed or potentially the lack of a system, is maybe a better way to put it, just was not conducive to the play style well, yeah. that John Gibson had. Like yes. Anthony, Anthony Stolars was able to thrive in that type of play because I think he's just so big, so stationary, so positionally sound, where he's able to play so well in that system because uh, of – essentially the advantages he has uh, physically. Whereas John Gibson really is an athletic goalie that relies upon reading the puck and reading the play and getting out and challenging. And when you're dealing with a lack of a defensive system, that really puts you in a spot to to not thrive and have really subpar seasons. There's probably people listening to this right now, like screaming at you, because a lot of people have been saying this to
0: us for a long time. Well, no, and-
1: but, but I, I made that point. <laughs> I, I've made that point last year and just said, but he is still paid to be a good goalie. Like that, that does not negate the fact you can make that statement and say that while also saying he's been below what he should be doing based upon the shots. Like it can be, it can be both parts of that set at the same time. Yeah. Well, and
0: that's the thing you have to really properly balance it. And I think, yeah, you can just throw out last year in terms of was the True. system, you know, tar- narrowly tailored to John Gibson's play. Like the ducks just sucked. They were yeah historically awful. They gave up a lot of cross ice chances if you're an athletic goalie, I hate using the term athletic. They're all athletes. They're all aggressive. athletic. Let's go ath- aggressive. When, you, when you're an aggressive goalie who's coming out to challenge and there's a lot of cross-ice passes, it's just harder to cover that ground. And when you're like an Anthony Stolarz type who's a little more conservative, a little more in the blue paint, it's easier to make up that ground. And maybe that's on John Gibson and the Ducks goalie coaching staff for not having made that adjustment to his approach. Yeah. Who knows? But right now, the key difference, the fundamental difference to me, and I wish we had stats on this, but it's that John Gibson isn't having to go post to post as often, you know, from faceoff dot to faceoff dot. And that's just something that, again, little to no goalies are going to succeed against over time. And right now, Gibson is, is having to really, you know, he's having to make some difficult saves. I'm not saying he's; it's an easy ride for him. But I think that the difference with this quote unquote streak is that it doesn't really feel like a streak. You know, when John Gibson was having these hot streaks over the last couple of years, it felt against all odds that he is really willing these teams to victory. that have no business being in these games. You know, he's he's like he was stealing games. He's overcoming the system. And that's just you can't sustain that. No one can sustain that. Whereas right now, like he's making probably a a few extra saves a game but it doesn't really feel like he's quote unquote hot. It just feels like he's playing well, like he's in the zone. It's, it's a totally, totally different feeling and a totally different optic.
1: Yep. Yep. Completely agreed. Uh, let's see. Um, what else do you want to chat about from, from these games from a good or bad perspective? I really want to highlight Max
0: Jones. Go for it. Because Max Jones, we've Lord knows we've given him a lot of flack on this pod, no doubt. And I think in large part, it has been deserved I'm not backing off of some of the the Max Jones flack that we've handed out in years past, but the last stretch of games, like, he's playing great. I don't even know how else to say. He's making things happen, you know, drawing penalties, diving poke checks to spring breakaways, you know, getting in on the forecheck, helping create goals. It's nothing fancy. It's nothing out of this world like he's taking this big leap as a player but he is in a position to succeed because he's playing with good players. And I think that he's really seizing that opportunity by bringing no pun intended max effort. And he's playing a smart brand of hockey. Like he's kind of dialed back some of the max Jones isms that we've seen in years past. Yeah. To it, And he's just playing kind of bring that Ener- energizer bunny style and, you know, pairing it with some, I would say smarter puck play, you know, he's making, you know, smart little passes in the neutral zone and, I'm not saying that all of a sudden Max Jones is a top six winger, but I think we all kind of scoffed seeing him in the top six. But given the fact that Greg Cronin really values that in his system, that kind
1: of puck hunting style, like good for Max, good for 49. Yeah. And I think when he's had the most success this season, he's been able to get in on the four check and retrieve pucks, get them back and then move them to someone who's going to be able to do more with it because that is not his game. That is not what he does at his best. Like you he said, he's at his best when he's just kind of getting in and hunting pucks. And he's made some nice plays. I think that he deserves credit for uh that little diving poke check to to send him to also, think it was he also hit on a breakaway. The, he also hit the inner post on a shot down the yeah. wing. Like he, he's he ripped that shot. <laughs> every once in a while he's able to get a shot off like that. There was the game, I think, against the coyotes at the end of last year where he <laughs> gave the ducks the lead late and then the coyotes tied it afterwards. But um it feels like he kind of shows some glimpses every once in a while of why he was a first round pick. They don't show up that often, but they do happen offensively. From time to time. Yeah. 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 But I mean, he's been on a solid line. I mean, for the most of the part of the season, he's been on a line with Jack Silverberg and Adam Henrique. And if you look at the numbers for that line, they've actually been solid. And one of the better lines for the team at generating offense and limiting chances against. So deserves kudos there. I mean, I guess the other talking point is, um, Going to the St. Louis game, Greg Cronin for the first time this season really juggled the lines, like for the first time, yeah. really, really took them in a blender and, and spit them out with very new combinations. And I mean, for the most part, they kind of worked and they kind of didn't. the the car The Carlson yeah. combo with Stroman Vitrano, I thought that they was great. They looked absolutely great. I think Leo Carlson really fed off of them. I mentioned this on the Patreon pod that it was going to be interesting to see that line because, uh on every other line Leo Carlson's played on, you could say that there was someone else in that line that was more skilled than him at this current moment. Troy Terry, you could make the argument he's more skilled than him. Trevor Zegers, you can make the argument is more skilled than him. Frank Vetrano and Ryan Strom, you cannot make that same argument for either of them. And so he is going to be the primary playmaker, the primary play driver, the primary offense creator for those three. And it was going to be fascinating to see how that would play out. And I think that overall, what the answer we got is he looked so good. He entered. I feel like his zone entries throughout the game were the most dangerous that we've seen him throughout this season. And I think he also got in the zone and was able to set up really good looks for both Petrino and Strom. Well, I will say this.
0: Yep. I agree with you that these are the "quote unquote" least skilled players, just in terms of like raw offensive yep. Yep. ability. Yep. But Ryan Strom and Frank Vetrano are great fits for playing with Neil yes. Carlson because that- Ryan Strom. Supports the puck very very well. He gets it, he gets it on a stick and off a stick in a hurry. Frank vitrano is a bit of a buzzsaw along the walls. Loves to shoot the puck, and it's kind of why I harped on Terry being on that line because these two guys, you know, 77 and 16, they just allow Leo Carlson to kind of be that play driver, and they're you know, and when they do have to create, they can. They're not going to be the ones you're depending upon. But they're just going to kind of make the simple, stupid play. And by, st- I don't mean actually stupid, but it's just a turn of phrase. They're going to make the simple play. They have the ability to finish off some plays. And I mean, we we saw it in this game. They There were some glorious opportunities for that line. And, and man, just the fact that, you know, Leo Carlson is looking this good this early in his NHL career. He had one drive or he had one rush up the ice where he dangled through like almost three guys and you know, some, some in open space, some in small areas. Like he,
1: it actually feels like he's getting better as the season's going along. Yeah. And it's so much fun to watch. Um, the other lines though, I didn't think that we saw necessarily a whole lot from them. I I mean, what'd you make of kind of the changes overall? Well, I think the, the, the big
0: noteworthy one was Troy Terry being Correct. put on a line with Adam Henrique and Jakob Silverberg. And I, I will say this i thought this this from what i saw this was one of troy terry's better games that i've seen him play as okay. of late i felt that you know there were a couple of opportunities a couple of great scoring chances he created by circling you know circling the zone from behind the net and getting the puck into the slot and it just felt like that playing alongside those two who are kind of like this the quote unquote stroms and vetranos to his carlson who are gonna defer more when they have the puck, who are just looking to support the puck. When he had it on his stick, he was just looking to create, You know, when he had to make the simple play he did, but he was a lot more patient and measured with the puck. Maybe that's a product of just having it more, being on that line and having guys who are gonna give it up more quickly. But I thought that this kind of balance that he struck in this game is what I've been wanting to see from him. Because the other end of that spectrum to me is the Colorado game. Where he's trying to do too oh, much. Yeah, the Colorado he's, game was bad. He's trying to play hero hockey. Maybe it's because he's playing in his hometown, and you know he wants to impress. I'm sure he's got a lot of family and friends there. Like I'm sure there's reasons for it. Troy Terry's a smart hockey player, so I'm, I'm sure he's aware of how he's playing. But that was a really bad game from him, trying to do it all, trying to do too much. And I thought that in that game at home, maybe the lights are just less bright. He was just playing a smart, measured game. Now, of course. Ideally, you would rather see that come alongside line mates who, you know, are, are, you know, just better offensive threats, more finisher types. But if that's what it takes to maximize Troy Terry at this stage, like, who cares? Like, you you need you need Troy Terry to be that driver. And I thought that in this game, he he was kind of getting back to that
1: identity a little bit. Yep. Uh, and then the other line, the other two lines were Vetrano, McTavish, Kalorn, Grew, Carrick, Leeson. I mean, I actually will push back a little bit. I don't think that that – I think that obviously the Colorado game was the worst game for Troy Terry this season. I think he gave puck a, a bunch. I don't think that his line – I think he had some good looks and some good shifts. Overall, the the amount of chances that line generated are lower than it should be for a line with Troy Terry on it. It was – granted, they didn't allow a whole lot against, but it was just very well, low event. And one I of think the that, chances
0: he generated was on a – like Cologne was on the ice. So True. I don't know. So I don't know well, if that gets like tabulated in there. Well, I'm,
1: I'm not even looking at line data. I'm just looking at individual kind of the individual XG charts. And oh. Terry Terry's kind of sitting pretty low in terms of low event XG for and XG against and below the the red line for it. So overall, the amount of chances. I mean, as it seems like there's a clear delineation from the St. Louis game in terms of chances generated between the Carlson line, the McTavish line, and then the Henrique line and the fourth line are kind of this big gap blower in terms of the amount of chances that were generated with them on the ice. Um, and, and so the only thing that I don't love there is the fact that you, you have Troy Terry kind of being put into this situation where he's not going to necessarily be generating as much offense. Due to the line mess that he I had. I thought he generated I, more offense in this game than he has. Like, more well, dangerous well, offense th- than
0: he has in recent games. Fair.
1: So. I think the the Colorado game was awful. I think I would have rather seen him with McTavish, I guess, is the, the end of the well, song. Well, yeah. In, in an ideal
0: world, he's playing, like I said. I mean, that's what I just said. He's In yep. an ideal world, he's playing with better players. But I know yep. this was a good game from him. And I would rather not see him on this line moving forward. But if you're going to get these types of games from him, then... That's going to build him back up so that by the time he's ready to go play on one of these other lines, he's
1: going to be a better version of himself. And what do you make, though, of Derek, our good friend Derek, Derek Lee, go follow him, uh, put out the lines from practice today, and it looks like Greg Cronin's gone back to Kalorne, Carlson, Terry, Vetrano, McTavish, Strom, Jones, Henrique, Silverberg, Johnston, Carrick, Leeson. Uh, I need to pull that up because I'm not going to. I'm not going to remember all that, but it's just it's it's the main lines from however many games ago prior to, to McGinn being healthy. Yeah. So, like
0: I said, I think that this, you know, it, it's the progression, right? You know, Carlson looked great with with Vetrano and Strom. Could they have? Did Do they deserve another look? Probably. But. In an ideal world, like you want you you kind of want Carlson and Terry to work as a tandem. Like you're, you're trying to get to that point. Yes, especially Alex with Tigris Col- out. Alex Kaloran makes sense in that mix. So, I kind of get what Cronin was trying to achieve against St. Louis, but the the
1: ideal version of this team is just not. I think that kind of layout. So well, let me ask you this. Now now it's a a little bit of a pre scout situation. Uh Montreal. <laughs> Yes. How would you kind of rate this Ducks team in the way that they should set up their lineup to have the most success against this Montreal team tomorrow? Because you, you know this Montreal team better than anyone listening or, or listening to the show or myself. I mean, I think that the Ducks are going to
0: have, you know, challenging matchups against the okay. Habs. Like, the, if you look at it line for line against the Canadians, like, the Canadians have offense arguably on on each of the top three lines you know sean monahan's had a really good start to the season like he should probably not be on the third line he should be higher in the lineup um so they're gonna have their challenges and i think that you know setting up your lines in this way where you have some maybe some more pop up top you're able to maybe leverage those matchups a little bit better because you know the canadians fourth line some of their depth especially with how you know, they're injured on the back end right now. Like their third pairing is two AHL guys, Struble and Lindstrom. Maybe that that's what they're setting it up for. But I think it's going to be a very fascinating matchup. The Canadians have four lines who can all skate, who can all make plays. Um, I don't know. It's going to be I'm actually very excited for this game.
1: <laughs> well, I, I guess my point in bringing that up is uh, is we kind of just talked about, right? Setting up the team in the way against the Blues and, and making those changes there. Do you think that changing this back to the way that it was previously is the best way to have success against the Mount, the, the I th- Montreal Canadians? I think that right now, if mm-hmm. you look at,
0: um, if you look at the third line for the ducks, I do. I do have a little bit of a worry that the ducks just aren't going to be able to generate offense outside of that top six because the okay. Canadians have, have offense and skating, I would say down, you know, down all four lines and the ducks after that top six it just gets, it gets pretty lean. Like there's a very clear demarcation yeah, of, you know, our defensive kind of two way guys and the offensive guys
1: up top. To be fair though, and we should give him his flowers, Jacob Silverberg. The last couple of games has looked like he's turned back, turned back the clock a bit. He's playing well, but he's yes. he's
0: not gonna. I mean, you said no. it yourself, like they're not driving offense. Correct. You know, when Correct. he's out there,
1: just wanted to give him his flowers. No, um, he's played
0: well. Like it, yeah. it, it's it's not a demerit at all. It's just that. Right now, like if you look at the Canadians third line, Tanner Pearson, Sean Monahan, Josh Anderson, like that line just has more pop, more explosion than the Ducks
1: third line. So yeah. it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's a fascinating All right. matchup. All right. So before we get into questions, uh, I guess we probably should discuss the controversial play. There are probably going to be people that want to hear us talk about it from the, the game against the, the Florida Panthers while, while discussing Jack Silverberg. You want to relay it for people?
0: Well, I'm sure you're aware of it by now if you're listening to this podcast. True. But basically, my takeaway is if, if you want to know what we're talking about, just, you know, Google Panthers, Ducks. Yep. Disallowed goal. Yep. There was a controversial no goal. Um, you know, the... Base, I mean, my, my whole take on it is just that they made the wrong call, but... And the technology to make these calls is just so so bad and so kind of just not in line so discordant with the standard that they're trying to impose which is that you need to be able to clearly see the puck cross the line it's like we're never gonna be able to do that on a close call with with the potato cameras so with with that specific camera angle so at the end of the day it's two things for me it's one they got it wrong and two uh changes needed to avoid these situations in the future
1: yeah, and, and we did a lot more back and forth on this, so go listen to our, on our Patreon episode. So if you are a Patreon subscriber, go listen to our episode. Uh, if you're not, go check that out. But just for my brief opinion, because we had a much longer back and forth that is very informative, I think, for everyone to go listen to. But uh, to Gary Brock's question saying, what's your guys' stoic opinion of the no-goal call? I think based upon the standard that it is set, that it has to be obvious, uh, obvious to you, or there has to be obvious and clear evidence that the puck fully went over the line that the situation room actually made the right call here because while I am 95% positive, that puck is over the line. There is 5% of me that as I look at images am I'm like, I don't actually know if it's fully over. And that's because of just how grainy that image is. It's not necessarily because I don't think it's over. It's because you could look at it at one time and think it's there. And then another time, and you think that that's a blurred red line right next to it. So it's just really hard to tell. And so at the end of the day, this is a technology problem more so than anything else. It's not necessarily about the definition, but if you're going to have the definition that it has to be clear and obvious to overturn an on ice call, then you have to end up, uh, you have to have better technology for it. And this is something going back 20 years. And so the fact that NHL has not come up with some sort of goal and technology or cameras in the net, um, it is what it, it sucks. They need to fix this or else there's going to be more issues moving forward with this. Yeah.
0: I mean, my kind of sidebar problem to all this is that in the enforcement of this though, if you can look at it and at one point say, Oh, looks like it's in, then that should be the end of the analysis. Like if but, it, if, if it at any point looks like it's in, then you're done. And, but because of this kind of way they've set it up where it has to be, you know, whatever the, I don't even know what the language is of the standard anymore, but it's like the presumption is too hard against a goal being allowed and i just don't think that, that i don't think it's not aligning with how these
1: plays are shaking out i don't think it's necessarily about goal being allowed i think it's overturning the call on the ice and so well, I, I just I think, mean it's the same thing same conclusion. yeah but it, it, if that was called a goal then i think we would still have a goal if the ref called that a goal on the ice then that is staying a goal whether whether and so it just came down to they didn't have conclusive evidence one way or the other. I am actually, and this is, I think, where you and I disagree, and that's fine. I'm fine with them having this standard of being, you have to have conclusive evidence. You can't go off think. You have to go off no and, and have the visual evidence to confirm that the puck is in. There, there's a whole lot on the line with every single one of these goals. And so I don't have an issue with that being the standard. But if you have that as the standard, you have to have the technology there and better goal line technology because this isn't the first time this happened. This happened in the playoffs last year. This happened 10 years ago uh with the ducks and flames happened 20 years ago with the flames and lightning this is not a new situation and you have to have better technology in place to be able to have actual confirmation one way or the other and not have this whole situation of being well we think it's over but there's no video confirmation so we can't say so it's inconclusive this is a failure on the technology side of the nhl
0: so not to change the topic but yep the 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 ducks the goals who have lost 11 in a row Mm-hmm. are down 5-1 uh 40
1: minutes into this game tonight. So, we had a question about that from Vixler and what not what do great. you make of that? What I I have not really watched any I of the Goals uh, games. I haven't watched a second of the Goals
0: in like 2 weeks, so I can't say. Like I honestly yeah. can't say if I'm going to hold myself to a standard of uh actually watching everything with the Ducks. I'm not to to have an opinion, then I'm not going to come in with a hot take on the Goals, but Seems bad, but I will just say that as long as the young players, the young key players, are getting better, then that's the most important thing. The results in the AHL to me are kind of secondary. Although of course you want it to be a good environment, a good kind of competitive environment. But as long as these young players are improving, then I think you're you're fine. But yep,
1: eleven in a row is a lot. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. It's a lot and. It can't be a fun environment for for the Olin Zellweger's. and there was some. Uh, I think Olin Zellweger was scratched. I think a week or two ago, but He's, there's been some stuff that's. Well, come they're out doing a load management, load management thing with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. they're doing the Carlson
0: so, plan with him, basically.
1: Yeah, I just wanted to make that clear for anyone that was that saw that and were wondering, oh, what are they doing? Are they are they mismanaging him now? Like now that. do
0: Jake, Now do Jacob Perot. Yeah, that's so, a whole different it, situation. What, so, what, are, what
1: are we? What are we managing there? Speaking of prospects. We should probably talk about this because you and I put some stuff out on Twitter yesterday that I guess well, people I, then... I set the
0: trend as you a said You did.
1: I will give you that. I you set keep the trend. Wa- you keep wanting to claim that you're trending or I'm a setting trends, but yesterday you and I both tweeted out because over the weekend it came out that Patrick Laine uh, was scratched by the Columbus Blue Jackets over the weekend. It's come out now that he is really Pissed. unhappy about it and has made it clear and it really seems like this could be hitting a very ugly situation between the two parties where he may be moved. I mean, it's unclear if that will happen. Yeah, we don't know. It, it, it may get to that point, And if that happens, then it could be at an all-time low from a value perspective. And I think you and I both pondered if that ended up happening. If, if, if these are all hypotheticals, no actual rumors, no actual knowledge. Patrick Line is someone the Ducks should probably be going after. Puck Empire,
0: Jake Rudolph says Patrick Laine to the Ducks. Hat tip. Hat <laughs> tip, crashed the pond. It, it seems
1: like that's what happened yesterday with what people were telling us, uh, different people in different areas were saying with the Ducks having a rumor connection, rumored connection to Patrick Laine. But, yeah. I mean, in reality, the, the reason why it would make a whole ton of sense is Patrick Laine has two more years left at 8.7 mil. He is a guy that is a lethal goal scorer, lethal shooter, something that this Ducks lineup could definitely add more of to go with the playmaking more of that they have.
0: Who, who, who is the lethal shooter Troy, that, that Troy they Terry,
1: have? Troy Terry would be the only one that I would claim to potentially be in there, but he's not a okay. stationary shooter. He is an off the rush shooter, yeah. but he does have an extremely good shot off the rush. Yeah. So, I mean, he's a guy that scored over 30 goals. You can add him in that category. Um. But so I think adding a guy like Patrick line, brings a different element and a whole not- different level to them. And I think also if this stays on this path, he could probably be had for relatively cheap because of the value being low. And not only that, but at $8.7 million, unless the, the Blue Jackets are getting something of, uh, or not value back, uh, some sort of cap hit back or bad money back, it's going to be highly unlikely that they're able going to be able to recoup assets because the asset they're going to get in return from moving a Patrick Lainey is primarily going to be cap space. So if the Ducks are able to take him and take on the full cap hit, It's not going to take as much as I think a lot of people would think it would cost to get a Patrick line in that situation. And the other good news is because you're doing it and you're able to get him at a relatively low cost. If for whatever reason, the these attitude issues, because I've had some people in my reply saying you don't, uh, we don't want the ducks to get him. He's not the type of player, not the type of personality you want on the team, all that type of stuff. If things do go awry, it's only two years left on that deal. The Ducks have the cap space over the next two years and him coming off the books aligns when they have to give guys new contracts. There's only one player over that time that is going to need a new deal. And that is Mason McTavish. And over that time period, you're going to have both Adam Henrique and Jacob Silverberg come off the books. Frank Vetrano's contracts coming off the books. Like there's money that is going to become available and free. And so I don't think it's a, a cap casualty or an issue for, from a cap perspective. Um, and so it it just I guess it comes down to what you're able to get them for and what the cost would be at the end of it all. Because if you do end up having to give give up a lot of assets, not exactly worth it. If it can be had for cheap, maybe maybe it could be. But as M brings up in our YouTube chat, cap space for a team that is the bottom of the league may not be as valuable, which is fair. Yeah,
0: my thing with Lina is yeah the the general the general facts would suggest that this is a good buy low but I think you have to dig deeper to really take that swing because it is a two-year commitment if you are going to take him on and if you look at his kind of track record he's really struggled to stay healthy like the last few years you know 55 games last year 56 games the year before that you know going back to 19 or sorry going back pre-pandemic he did not miss very much games at all but in recent in recent history, he's had a trouble staying on the ice. And I don't know the exact nature of his injuries. The other kind of red flag is that last season, Patrick line had a great season, you know, underlying numbers were great, uh, you know, played, I think a more dynamic style of hockey than he's given credit for, you know, creating off the rush zone entries. I think that that's not generally what people associate with patrick line they associate him with kind of standing still at the left face-off circle and blasting one-timers which he can still do but just a more dynamic player last year and even maybe some of that in years past but that the underlying numbers the on-ice impacts were were good last year and that kind of doesn't line up with what we've seen from him in the past where he's been a defensive liability but has been able to drive goal scoring for his own team so you really kind of have to weigh all of those things, and this is where the cost of the trade would almost make the decision for you. Because yeah, yes. if it's a, if it's a low kind of low stakes, you know, C tier prospect, mid middling pick, which I kind of I mean, although I, I agree that the 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 price will be as low as it'll ever be, this is still a player with a, a very solid track record, like 111 yeah. points in his last 120 games, like that is. Nothing to scoff at. And so if the Ducks could get him in their system though, which Patrick Line are they gonna get? If they get the Patrick yeah. Line that we've seen in the last, you know, year and a half, that's a dynamic addition to the lineup. It gives them something that they don't have. It helps build off of things that they, you know, are starting to do better. It gives just a, a stylistic kind of you know, it gives you a, a change up or a knuckleball to your fastball of Ziegress and Carlson. It gives you kind of more of that shooter type. Mm-hmm. So if you get that version, great. If you get kind of the version we've seen before that where one-dimensional liability, attitude issues, who knows, like then it
1: really has to be a low price for it to for it to be worth it. Yep. I mean, the deal that I'm thinking of, and once again, this is just me spitballing. People could tell me I'm way off here. People could maybe say I'm not. But like a second round pick, Isaac Lundestrom and Jacob Perot.
0: Yeah. I mean, two w- two,
1: form, two former first round picks and a second round pick in the upcoming draft. Wait, so you said Perot in a second round pick? Perot, Lundestrom in a second.
0: Yeah. I mean, here's the thing the Ducks have a lot of young players and they yep. can't all play. Yep. And so at some point, you got to do something with them. And maybe mm-hmm. for Jacob Perot going over to Columbus, getting in that system will help revitalize his career. Lundestrom gives him an opportunity. I mean, it would mm-hmm. really be kind of, I don't want to say dirty to trade a player while he's injured, but not great. And I also just don't know what kind of trade value Lundstrom really has right now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, all this to say that I would be very intrigued to see Patrick Alainé in this lineup, just because the ducks, as much as they've made strides this year are not at the end of this rebuilding road. They still need to add talent. They still need to add offensive upside and It's kind of what we were talking about for the first almost hour of this show like it is kind of limited what they can do offensively in that top nine like especially when zegris is out like it's Mm -hmm. it's a it's a big challenge and and line a or whoever whoever it is whatever swing you want to take like you you can't look at the start of the season the ducks have had and think oh okay well no more changes no more additions like there's still there's always ways to improve even when you're a good team
1: yep and so, I mean, the thought process with that trade is, uh, the Ducks would be taking on the full contract, and they would be giving up very little money back. And in turn, I mean, and then uh, Columbus also gets, like you said, two young players and and a pick. And so, the cap space and getting relief from that full cap hit to do maybe make a trade in the off season, uh, or things like that, um, take on bad money. Because, I mean, Columbus is only, I think, $4 million in cap space. So, freeing up 8.7 is a big deal for them. Cap space is currency. And so, that would be something that they could potentially look at as being a value for them in that situation for a guy that is not going to get you a whole lot in terms of trade value. Um, so, uh, anything else before jumping into questions? No, I mean,
0: one thing that I wanted to say is that I don't know what the Columbus Blue Jackets are going to do. Like, Agreed like Jarmo Kikelian is probably done after the season. It's the last year of his contract. There's going to be change up top and I don't really think that they're like a true rebuilding team because they made a lot of moves this summer. Yep. Like they were trying to make the playoffs, hasn't worked out that way. They signed Johnny Gaudreau two summers ago. Like the cap space could actually be of great value to them because yep. it, it it could help them pivot out of
1: this situation that they're in. They're kind of, they're kind of caught in between two two rocks. Because they're a rock and a hard place, probably a better way to put it. With the fact that they they uh, they have kind of an older team, yet they also have a younger team. They're kind of in a really weird spot with that.
0: Yeah, they have a lot of young pieces. Some of them aren't panning out. But hell, I mean, they're freaking benching everybody left and right. Johnny Gaudreau's getting benched. Patrick Line is getting scratched. So I don't know what the hell is going on over there. Yep. I feel bad for them because in a way, it feels like it was doomed from the start with the Babcock situation. Um, I mean, and, yeah, and- that and like Kent Johnson being
1: sent down to the AHL, I think like, it's just rough right there. It's right bad. Now. I mean, yeah. I mean, I forgot about the whole Mike, Mike Babcock situation. Just yeah. How, that poorly, how poorly that all set up the team this season. And so, I mean, they're just a poorly run organization at this point in time, it feels like. And so, I mean, yarmo has got to go like getting a guy out of there in a by low situation. It could be an absolute steal. And so maybe it's being, uh, being too generous and thinking that you could get him for that or, uh, overly positive from the duck side of things but if that trade were to happen the ducks would be looking really really good even if that deal didn't pan out perfectly you're not giving up a whole lot of value there right it's yeah i mean in the grand scheme of things
0: i would be a little bummed to get to see to never be able to see isaac lundestrom yeah for <laughs> <under> greg cronin <laughs> which is like a selfish thing that is kind of dumb but i really want to see what he looks like on this team now the thing is because of the ascension of one beau grew there is a conversation to be had of like how many of these kind of bottom six ish centers
1: slash forwards. Do you really need like at a certain point, you can't, you can't keep them all. So, well, yeah, I mean with Brock McGinn now coming back and once Trevor egress eventually gets, Did healthy, Brock McGinn gets scratched. He, yeah. He's been scratched. Yeah. Which is odd, Yeah, which is definitely odd. Ross um, Johnston, but remember when Ross
0: Johnson was thought to just be
1: like a, like a pickup and dump. And now he's like a, roster fixture well we still haven't hit the point where someone has to get waived that's going to be the fascinating thing but of he's all playing over is. brock mcginn yeah but is he going to get who is brock mcginn going to get get waived is Bo grew going to get waived like who out of this group is going to get waived yeah i don't know so some, like they're gonna there are two players that once uh once both isaac Lundstrom and trevor zegers get healthy there are two players on this team currently that are going to have to get waived. Once Drysdale's healthy, it would make a whole lot of sense that Tristan Leno ends up getting sent back to junior. That's most likely what will end up happening to clear up the defenseman uh, spot for Jamie Drysdale. But there's going to be two forwards that has to get have to get waived. And it's going to be two of either, I mean, I guess Brock McGinn, Max Jones, Ross Johnston, uh, Sam, uh, probably not Sam Carrick, but Brett Leeson or Bo Grew. Like two of those guys are going to get waived. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It's going to be going to be interesting to see the decision making from management with that. Um, What? Sorry. I just saw the goals give up
0: a grade a plus scoring chance and it's starting to make sense. Okay. Starting to make sense. Um, All right. Let's get to questions. Ready for them. Oh,
1: I just wanted to quickly talk about, uh, maybe it'll come up with questions. If it doesn't, I'll bring it up. Okay. Alright, here we go. We're gonna start with questions from our Patreon Discord. Go to patreon.com slash crash where you can access the to the Discord channel at two dollars a month. If you wanna help support us even more, there's a seven dollar fifty and a 50, 15 fifteen dollar channel where you get access to bonus episodes and uh Felix's uh videos. Yeah. Which he first, is posting one, one there is now. Up. Yep. So there D said. Yeah, he Of course you picked the absolute worst game that he played, but I, it I didn't is know what that going is. in. I just yeah. I just picked his most recent game which fair, fair, but that was the game where it was, it was bad. It was really really bad. All right. D frenzy said, can the Ducks poor play as of late be attributed to injuries and too many penalties or what do you think has caused the poor results lately? My next question is what is going on with the goals? Seems like they have fallen to the basement of the league. Um, all right. So we've, we've answered all of this in one way or another, but to summarize it for the results, I don't think they're playing that much different right now than they did during the winning streak. Maybe there's a penalties are a problem. Penalties yes, are a I big was, problem. I was about to get there when I when I say that I'm specifically talking about five on five. I think they they're playing fairly similar to that. I think the the Colorado game, notwithstanding, um, they just need to limit some of those mistakes and capitalize on their own chances. But the penalties are a problem. the The St. Louis game penalties were the the story of that game to me. From a what ha, what caused the results? Um, you take a four minute penalty and you can say well. Not sure what McTavish is going to do. Is supposed to do there, but it is a penalty. It's a and it's a four-minute. I mean, liner. I'm not. I'm liner. not
0: pinning that one on him because that was that was legitimately a freak play. Like, no, I don't, but
1: but yeah. but but that is not a fluke pen or that is not a one-off situation for McTavish. It is a trend sure, but of him on, taking penalties on
0: that specific play, though. Sure. i If you if you want to inject the narrative, go for it. But I sure I don't think that's the play to do it with.
1: Sure. I, I was just kind of getting to an overall point with Mason McTavish. He's taking, taking too penalty. many penalties. Yes. yes. That that was the point that I was trying to get to is Mason McTavish is taking a whole lot of penalties and taking a whole lot of very poorly timed penalties and ones in the offensive zone, ones in the and defensive zone. Some of zone. them are
0: truly dumb. And yeah. And he, I was told that he was the lock to be the captain. And it's uh, kind of hard to follow the guy who's always taking penalties. I
1: mean, there's a, there's a lot of holds. I feel like every single game, there's at least one hold that he kind of ends up doing and gets called a decent amount of time with wrapping the arm around the defender who has the puck. And so I think if I had to say what's caused the results, I think some, some poorly timed penalties, I think uh, they're not generating as much offense. I think missing Trevor egress has really impacted that. And I think they're just kind of not getting the bounces. that They got it's some Hockey, regression so- to the mean too. Yeah, exactly. That was exactly yeah. what I was going to get to is they were shooting a well above where they should have. If you look at that game that they won against the coyotes. They had no business being in that game against the coyotes. I think they generated 0. 0.9 expected goals for, and they just, they had bounces go their way throughout those games. And those bounces don't happen when you're not continually generating offense. And so I think that they, uh, they're playing better now. That at five on five than they did through some of those stretches, but we're seeing some regression that happens as a result of, of maybe getting some bounces earlier and not getting them now. Yep. And the goals unclear. Uh, Olaf is Berserker said, why oh why does the NHL just suck at scheduling? There were no games tonight, which is just odd. Odd.
0: Yeah, definitely odd. Oh, the goals just scored five two. Avila I feel like every time I watch the goals, which is probably like four times this year, he he does Pavel Regenda does something great.
1: He he's probably been their best player. I would I would imagine. I haven't watched too I would, too many I games, would rather but, yeah. see Pavel Regenda in the Ducks lineup than
0: than Ross Johnson for sure. I don't I, I know I about, about everyone say, else, but
1: I, I was about to say, where are you gonna go? Because you are a Beau Grew Stan. Brett I Leeson. love Beau Grew. Brett Leeson has been good. You just complimented Max Jones a bunch, so I was like, where are you gonna go with this? I mean,
0: I would still take. Brigenda over Jones. Yes. Even if Jones is playing well. Like, yeah. Brigenda just brings more of what I like. So, uh,
1: D Frenzy said, how can we get out of this losing streak?
0: Uh, stop taking penalties. Get Trevor Zegris, uh, get a Trevor Zegris jersey in the locker room and have someone named Trevor Zegris wearing it on the mm-hmm. ice. <laughs> that would probably help. Um, But yeah, I mean, just continuing to find ways to create offense in the situation that they're in. And, you know, if they can find something with this kind of new ish, new old top six, that would go a long way because right now it's just that the offense is not
1: there. Well, and I think on the flip side of that, we haven't talked about it, but we we talked about special teams, but the power play hasn't been good enough. They are not generating nearly enough chances on the power play when they get their, their chances. The Colorado game was bad. The St. Louis game was bad. The Florida game, like they're just not getting good looks while they're on the power play. And if you're going to be taking so many penalties and if that is going to be impacting you negatively and and you're allowing goals, you do need to take advantage of your power plays also on the flip side of that. And so the, the ducks power play has not been good enough of late and they need to kind of, I mean, to be honest, play the first unit more, I mean, I was going to gonna just...
0: say, I'm not even sure the power play is bad. It's just the best players don't play enough. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> like, because cause when Minchikov, when Carlson, uh, I almost said Terry, you know, when Minchikov and Carlson are out there, like, good things are happening on the power play. It's just that, that those guys aren't out. Like, you know, in the game against St. Louis, Cronin, I think it was out of a TV time. I don't remember, but he started the power play with, with power play he... two. They I'm start like, the second power play a lot and it's weird. And, and they, they did play less than a minute. They, you know, he took them off with 102 left, but it's just like, why, why? And to their credit, like power play two got a couple looks, but it just never feels like it has the oomph that the, that power play one does, you know, with, with that second unit, it's a lot of just like perimeter, some cross ice it's cam Fowler point shots. There are good players on that unit, but they are just not as threatening as the high-end talent that you can that you can put out on on the first unit. So, if I were to make one recommendation on the power play, j- you don't even change anything about how you're playing. Just play your best players. Like, I would say at least like I don't want to say all two minutes, but at least a minute fifteen, minute twenty. Like, get it up to that ratio.
1: What Ideally, would you say ninety to- seconds. What would you say to this from Vixler? And I I think you and I are on the same page here. But they bring up, the second power play converts more, but uh, power play one looks good, but rarely scores. I mean, that's fair. They they haven't converted
0: to the degree that you'd like, but give them more cracks at it. Like, yep. if the process is there, if they are increase the amount of times that that process
1: occurs. I mean, they brought it up. Like, power play one looks good. Like, it looks really, really good. And so if you give them more time, the goals are going to go in. Like, that is just typically how it ends up working, is if your power play is generating chances, you're going to get goals. There are structural kind of problems, even with
0: power play one. Like, it's not perfect. I'm not saying that it's, you know, Ovechkin, Backstrom out there, but there is a creativity. There is just kind of an an ability to go off schedule that just doesn't exist with power play two. And that's, that's truly what makes life difficult for penalty kills it, it's when you can create something when you can put them in a bad position that's what's going to do it and power play too it just feels like they're playing off of a playbook instead of approaching it with concepts and working within those concepts so i also just witnessed a blind jacob perot uh drop pass that led to a turnover in this goals game so it's starting to make sense
1: yep <laughs> it's starting to make uh... sense Second place, Louie said, uh, what hat is Felix going to eat when the Ducks dominate the Habs tomorrow? I would honestly be
0: shocked. if—well, I shouldn't say shocked. I would be heavily surprised if the Ducks did that to the Canadians because although they're missing, they're missing at this point like three to four regular defensemen, there's still a lot of talent on that team and the Ducks have not been playing that great as of late. So I expect a close game.
1: Ducks by three. Uh, <laughs> that is weaver not said happening. thoughts on a Z. Okay. All right. That is, uh, I mean, that, that's basically what I've said. D- Ducks are winning by three. Uh, thoughts on the Zegris Carlson Leeson line. Uh,
0: I love Brett Leeson and how he's played this season, but that feels a little, little rich. I, think be,
1: I think it'd be interesting. I think he could kind of, He'd I think help. it'd be interesting. It would be interesting to see him in that situation, right? Where, yeah. Yeah, you can kind of he can find some soft space, get in, get into the zone when those two guys end up dumping in, even though the vast majority of the time, both Zegris and Carlson carry the puck in. They don't dump it in very often. Um, And so I think it would be really interesting to see a guy like that who's able to make center lane drives, try to find some soft space in the slot and just essentially be there for both Zegris and Carlson to create uh, for Leeson. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it could work. Yep uh let's see uh duck shark not saying uh, are the extreme struggles in san diego preventing players down there from getting a chance in anaheim also is matt McIlvain not in fact him
0: <laughs> i mean again oh they just scored again two goal game Wow. five three six minutes left uh nathan goshe wow there you go um i don't know i mean a lot of hype around matt McIlvain. keep in mind though he is a rookie head coach in north, in america, north america, america right now yep Like, so it's a, it's an adjustment for him as well as it is for this team. And also keep in mind that this goals team has a lot of young, I mean, they have a lot of rookies, they have a lot of pro rookies and that is going to have an effect. So again, I have not watched them. I don't want to sit here and make excuses, but you can kind of see why it could go wrong just because of all that lack of experience. But Hey, they're only down two right now. Is this the night the, the
1: streak gets snapped? Yeah, maybe. Uh let's see. Terry Sage just said after our disallowed goal against Florida due to pretty much poor video quality, do we actually have <laughs> any idea if the league installs cameras and uses their specific brand? Or is it more of make these camera angles available to us? Um, yeah, I'm not sure about that in terms of the cameras and the quality and that type of stuff. Oh. I would imagine that there is just like a what happened? Just another brutal drop pass. Oh, okay. Um uh, I would imagine that there's some sort of standard that they apply throughout because the camera angle is always the same from that overhead, uh, overhead, uh, situation. Uh, and and, I mean the net, the in net camera is always the same. Um, the only change is essentially where the camera angle ends up being at, uh, from center ice or from the, the neutral zone. That's the only thing that could probably change, but yeah, no clue on the other parts of that. I don't know if you have any idea there.
0: I just see a comment in our chat here from Twitch. Hello, Twitch saying, uh, well, not from Twitch, the person, but from, T- from Tybalt, T-Balt saying, uh, I went to the goals versus checkers game and it might have been the worst hockey I've ever seen live. Just nothing for an hour. Was that in, was that in Charlotte or was that in St. Saint- Cause th- the goals were over there recently. They did yeah, the cross country. It may, it, may
1: Char- it may have been in Charlotte. I watched
0: parts of that, of those games. Um, and the camera angles, AHL camera Bad. angles are, are just, oh, just, he's like saying that's in what, San Diego. Oh, okay. San Diego has a decent camera, I would say. It's a little low. Yeah. It's a little low and fast. I've just kind of, I've come to the conclusion that watching Coyotes games in Arizona is akin to watching like an AHL or preseason game yep. because of the camera angle.
1: I just, yep. I can't, I can't do it anymore. Yep.
0: I'm boycotting uh, it.
1: Shaken Wing said three most underrated duck players. On the team right now, I think so.
0: Who is underrated on this team? Yeah,
1: who who would be I feel, underrated? I
0: feel like everyone's properly rated. I'm. You I, know what? I'm going to say Bo Gru.
1: Okay, I'm going to go
0: Euro Euro Vakninen
1: or Urho Vakninen. I think Urho Vakninen definitely deserves his flowers. Yeah. Uh, Rad, I'll go Radko Gudis. He's not. He is not underrated. You don't think he's underrated? I think Radko
0: Gudis is properly properly rated. rated? Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Then I'll go uh Cam Fowler. I think I think Cam Fowler's gotten a lot of shit this season. I was
0: waiting for someone to bring it up in the questions, but it never came up. So we might as well touch on it quickly.
1: Okay. What were you going to bring
0: up? My issue with Cam Fowler is this. Okay. I think he's been fine defensively. Yep. But he is just there's two things. Because of this defensive style that they're playing, because of how often they're bottled up, he's just not able to turn that defensive play into offense and clean transition. Part of that is also because of some of the injuries to this team. And then offensively, just some of the worst decision-making you'll see with the puck at the blue line. Like there was a play against St. Louis where Troy Terry was wide ass open. WAO. Wow. On the left flank, wide ass open. And Cam Fowler had it at the point in the middle of the blue line, had a defender all up on him, all up on his grill, and didn't even look at, at Terry, just shot it into the shin pads of the of the defender. And it's like, it's stuff like that where as as much of a Cam Fowler fan as I am, because I do enjoy watching him play, it's just stuff like that that really grinds
1: my gears. Like I, I audibly gasp when I see so, things like that. So that is exactly why I think he's underrated so far this year is because I think, yes, I think you're spot on offense, but he hasn't,
0: he, I don't think he's been good this season.
1: Like he's he's been been salt. He's he's been, been, been yes. But my point is people think he's the worst player on the team. If you look at some of the public perception of him. So that, that is where I would say you're correct. I would say he's fine. And I think saying he's fine is actually in comparison to where, perception of him is at is actually shows that he's underrated
0: personally I'd think he's just,
1: been kind, he's just kind of meh oh you said fine I defensively said, that was what you said
0: defensively but he's he's a negative offensively
1: like it, yeah. it's I th- I it's, think he's an I think is a plus defensively and I think is a negative offensively leading him to be a net neutral
0: mm, I think it it's outweighed to okay. me it's outweighed by the offense um
1: but I was re- so saying that, in our chat
0: yeah. uh, Vixler saying Ilya Lubushkin and Ilya Lubushkin is making plays. There were a couple. There were at least two or three times against St. Louis where he was, he was making like moves with the puck and like faking four checkers you know, head fakes. I was like, who is this guy? Who are
1: you? Here, here is the issue with Ilya Labushkin. Or I definitely you're butchered ju- it. You're right just there. never gonna say it right. It's okay. I'm never. I'm never going to. I'm trying. I'm. I keep trying uh Lubushkin labushkin or, nope definitely didn't do it right there Fort, uh in the five games that have been tracked by by Corey schneider or schneider um he is the worst player on the team from a defenseman perspective in terms of failed exit percentage he has a failed exit percentage of 46 percent
0: i mean is that is that a fair stat to like wield against a player when it's five games no but like, it's also those saying, worst five yeah, worst games that's fair
1: but it's more so the like, fa- are we, are we it, it, really
0: Are we really going to do this?
1: Hey, it's the only data we have, so I'm at we, least using we it. We who so. rail
0: against small samples, are we also going to then take a smaller, much smaller sample within the small sample, and then use that against the player? Unfair.
1: You know, I'm just gonna say I'm it is one of down. the one Not of the bounce. issues that he's had this year. I'm throwing the yellow uh, flag. Whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> Vixler said, "Here comes Jake to hate our best fave Russian defender." Are we forgetting <laughs> Pavel Minchikov is on this team? Uh, who would be the other Russian defender? Yeah. It's just those two. Pavel and Ilya. Yeah. My, my point is, is how can we say that Ilya is the, the favorite Russian defender, best fave Russian uh, defender when Minchikov is on the scene? I think, I think what you're doing right now is, is the, uh, the reaction that was sought so just wow just wow
0: i think by the, way, by the way doesn't get enough credit from from folks like you so i'll say he's the most underrated i,
1: I think he's been fine you're willing
0: to throw five games and say this guy sucks i am I, I just that is that is actually like that is did, that is, wait, wait, like, wait, that is, wait, that is malpractice when did i say is, he sucks i was just bringing i mean that's up. what you're
1: trying to communicate i was just bringing it sure. up i was just bringing it up um <laughs> sure no pavel one minchikov, believes you by the way pavel minchikov deserves his flowers by the way, but he's he's getting like coronated. Oh, uh, like, yes, I'm not talking about underrated. I'm just saying this dude is a number 1 defenseman. I I don't care that he's not playing penalty kill right now. He is a number 1 defenseman in this league with the impact he has offensively and defensively. His
0: role certainly does help to a degree. Like they are they are kind of feeding other guys to the Wolves a little bit. I'm not saying he's getting sheltered, but it is a little bit of a different approach with him. But He's making the absolute most of it. So, yep.
1: MJK said. Uh, Meanwhile, Jackson score-
0: Lacombe is just in purgatory. It's we it's need- mal malpra- it's malpractice at this point that he's playing on the right side.
1: He, yeah, he needs to be switched back to the left. Uh, was the Ducks nine and six start a flash in the pan, or is the current three game losing streak closer? Uh, and is the current three game losing streak closer to what we will see the rest of the season?
0: I mean, some of those like scoring margins and goal totals were quote unquote, flashes in the pan, because we talked about it, like high shooting percentage, high finishing rate that wasn't going to sustain. But the Ducks played great hockey in the beginning of the season. Right now, there are factors contributing to those that process not turning into wins, but they're not like a different team today than than they were, you and- know, 10, 10 games ago.
1: Yeah, and it's not like we're seeing major systematic breakdowns with this team that make you worry about what the long term success is. I mean, there are I, th- some
0: there are some breakdowns.
1: <laughs> no, but like, like you, but what I'm talking about is like like last season, some ma- massive systematic uh, breakdowns with. Oh the well, team. if
0: that's the bar, then yes. <laughs>
1: yeah, yes. but so I don't think that they were necessarily a nine and six team, but I think we could, you could definitely see them being a 500 team, so yeah. a, a low 80 to mid 80 point team. What um, is where they could end up at? So I think that. So I I don't think this three game losing streak is closer to what they are. I think the nine and six might be a bit closer to what they were or what they are.
0: I mean, they also just need to get healthy. All
1: yeah, right? I mean that that that's the other part is it's hard to really say what they are when they're not healthy.
0: You're missing you're missing a franchise player in Trevor Zegers, and I don't want to contribute to the I don't want to contribute to the memeing on Jamie Drysdale. I'll just say you're missing an important piece in Jamie Drysdale.
1: I mean, Trevor Zegers to me, not even arguably was the best five on five player for this team while he was playing. Like before he was he playing got very well. Yeah. Like he, he had maybe not impactful wise, but from the situation of actually driving offense and defense and uh, preventing chances against, he was the best player for this team. Um, yeah. Uh, all right. Olaf said, was the hot start a bad thing for this team? Are they now dealing with inflated expectations? I think from the fans, maybe,
0: maybe fans are expecting wins, but they set a, they set a standard for themselves with that start that they showed that they can meet on a lot of nights. And I think that we should rightfully, you know, keep that in mind. Also keep in mind that, yes, this is a rebuilding team. Yes, this, or I should say rebuilding, but yes, this is still a team that's working its way out of a rebuild. This roster is not a finished product. So All those things are in there, but i I will continue to hold them to the standard that they showed that they can meet because they've showed they can play solid hockey. Like I would never hold teams of years past to this kind of standard because they showed they never showed they could come anywhere close to it.
1: Yeah, and I think you're pretty much spot on there. And I think that it's important to kind of do that as we're see. I mean, oh five four. Oh my god, seventeen seconds left. We're seeing how this team can play, right? We've seen. We've seen glimpses of it. I mean, the Dallas game is one that instantly comes to mind, right? They had stretches in that first period where they were just utterly dominant. Against that the feels Dallas like a long time Stars. ago now. feels like such a long time ago, but that first period they were utterly dominant. And so maybe they're not that team overall, but we've seen what they can be. So I think holding them to these standards is important because if you see what they can do when they are at their best against a very good team, that is what you want to see consistently from them. Like You yeah. want to see this team at their best consistently.
0: And and achieving consistency is hard. You know, as a team, it's hard to get to the point where you're yeah where you're on your A minus, a-, B plus game most nights. Like that's not all teams are capable of that. And I think with the Ducks, we we are also in a situation where this is a team that is playing very cautiously defensively. That was clearly the point of emphasis going to the season was let's button up our defensive zone. Yeah. And they are doing that. They are stymieing the other team's ability to go dot to dot that has inflated. I shouldn't say not just that, but that has helped their goalie stats. John Gibson is is playing better because of it. But at the same time, when you're so married to that approach, it also makes it harder to get to generate turnovers in the defensive zone. It makes it harder to get those quick outs. And so as the season goes along and as they show that, yes, they can play that style and they can play it well consistently. I would like to see Cronin just, you know, if, if the, if the meter is at 10 right now, move it down to like eight, let's see the guys just freestyle just a little bit more, allow them to come off of their man to go and, and, and get a double team, try to get those quick exits. Cause that's kind of what they're lacking right now when they're in that shell is getting those, those counter attacks that, you know, so, that sometimes you see these these really kind of defensive shell type teams have, and the, the Ducks just don't
1: have that right now. And again, part of it could just be personnel too. Yep. MJK said Sidorov, Carlson, Zegras first line next season. Who says no? Uh, look, I don't want to. I'm gonna enjoy this
0: Igor Sidorov uh, hot streak, but I'm not gonna. I don't want to see him steal him. So. Yeah. Also that also the goals have now made it 12 in a row. Oh. 12 in a row.
1: Em- empty net goal.
0: No. Or is game no. the game's just over. Yep, they they just ran out of time.
1: Uh, okay. Uh yeah, uh Sidorov is now at 20 goals in 19 games. Just as an FYI.
0: Yeah, that's preposterous. Um yeah. stupid numbers. I it, it's it's I,
1: it's junior. I, we haven't seen how the goals are necessarily being scored. And yeah. I think in some ways that actually does impact it. Are these kind of fluke goals that are just being scored against goal uh, goaltending talent that isn't necessarily there? Or is the actual goal-scoring talent translatable?
0: Well, I think I'm sure that there are goals in this streak of his that are like NHL goals. And I'm sure that there are goals that are junior goals where he's probably mm-hmm. not going to be able to do that at the next level. But it's kind of undeniable, though, when you score that many goals that something is going right. Yep. Like you, you can't just score twenty and like junior hockey is still good hockey. Like it, yeah. it, it's not easy to do that. So yep. don't want to poo-poo um, it by any means.
1: All right. Duck Shack and I said, how do you address the Mason McTavish penalty concerns? Bencham, is it a coaching issue or just part of the player that he is and uh will be until he learns? I'm waving a dry race
0: marker. People can't see it if they're not watching, but I'm 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 waving it like a disapproving teacher who's about to go on a rant which is what okay. I'm doing minus being a teacher, but Mason McTavish is thought to be a potential next captain of this team has, you know what he has done to necessarily earn that. Maybe it's because of his resume, his junior career, his international exploits, the fact that he's, you know, a bearded Canadian center, like who knows what it is, but that is kind of the, the, the wrap on him is that that's what he could become. And if that's the standard that you want to be held to, he right now is miles below that standard with the penalty taking. And yes, there are flukes in there. Yes, they're not all on him. But you know who is held to a very high standard who is not thought of as anywhere close to this like future captain? It's Trevor Zegres. Trevor Zegres, yes, has earned some flack in the past, but has worked hard on himself to become a better version of, his, of himself. And he was that before he got injured. He got benched for a turnover that didn't result in the goal. Yes, he showed poor effort on it, but there was a lot of good weaved into his game all season long. This is now a trend for Mason McTavish. This isn't like a one-off. And so if you want to be that guy, either you have to start being that guy or the organization has to stop enabling it. And the coaching staff has to step in and actually show some kind of consequence for this, whether it's. I don't like i don't want him to get benched but there has to be some kind of like and i'm sure they're telling him right like i'm sure that in that locker room in those meetings in those practices in those video meetings that he's this is coming up but at some point the guy's got to you know the guy's just not receiving the message so how can you send the message and maybe a benching is in order for for old mason
1: and for anyone just kind of wondering the impact so The evolving hockey goals above replacement model actually does factor in uh, penalties drawn and penalties taken in terms of added or negative value um, uh, and how that impacts kind of the overall replacement value and how much that equates to about a goal above replacement. Mason McTavish is the worst player on the team from a penalty taken perspective at negative 1.3. The next closest is Ilya Labushkin at negative 0.6. Frank Vitrano right at negative 0.6 also. So he is double uh, over two times worse from a value perspective uh, in terms of penalty taking than anyone else on this ducks team and the value that the negative value that that causes this team by putting them on the penalty kill consistently at those times and so it is a major issue and it is something that does need to be nipped in the bud because I mean the even if it was unintentional, the high stick, a double minor that that puts the Ducks on the back end or on the back foot, and then Pavel Minchikov takes a penalty and then allows a goal after that. And so there are just some very poorly timed penalties that are from all over the place. There are some of over aggression. I think about the game in Arizona, where in the third period he elbows, uh, goes in for a hit and elbows a guy on the Coyotes and, and gets a two minute minor for it. Late in or in the third period, the Ducks are trying to get a comeback going, and so um, this is just something that he definitely needs to fix and so duck jack and yeah. i all said someone please help me understand why tristan Leno is still with the ducks uh i mean so he got sent down they wanted him to
0: get that pro experience after getting some nhl experience got sent down he got a few games in with the goals now they are keeping him around because it's only a couple more weeks i think until the world junior Camp. Uh,
1: I think it's like December 10th-ish, something like that was when it was last year.
0: So I think he's going to stick around until then. I doubt he plays a game, but if he does, I'd be shocked. You know, be around the team, be in the practice facility. Um, But I think that once that that hits, once he goes back and presumably plays in the World Juniors, then he's going to be finishing out the season playing junior hockey. I mean, it's the Shane Wright script. It's basically the same exact thing.
1: Yep. Completely. Um, all right. And then, uh, want to get to any, <laughs> what? So yep. someone
0: said in our comment here, not here yep. for like says I'm behind on the stream, but man, Jake is getting hella trolled about the fave Russian in the team. Gaslighting Jake is so funny to watch. Oh, trust I, me.
1: I feel like people don't understand that part of me does it also for the fun of it. Yeah. You say that after the fact. I don't know if I if I buy that. Is it is it is it a better podcast content if I just say, "Oh, you're gaslighting me and give in and just don't let it actually happen"?
0: Hey, I'm not I'm not I'm not disputing that. I'm just I'm wondering it's much, if it's much if what better. You're saying is true.
1: Yeah, I'm playing it up because it's fun. Good, good on you. Yeah, good on people, you. Yeah, try. I'm trying to entertain people here. Is what I'm. Good trying on you to do. for. for, for that. Uh, Alright, here we go. So we got a couple questions from Twitter. We're at an hour 30 here. Yep. Um uh, so Trevor zebras asked about Line A. We already kind of covered that a little bit. And then Eric actually asked us a similar thing. So we've already talked about uh Line A. Uh so for those of you, we'll just start getting to to Twitter or to Twitch and YouTube. So for those of you listening on Twitch or YouTube, please start throwing your questions into the chat. But for those of you listening on your favorite podcast services, services you can find us at twitch.tv slash crash pond where if you have amazon prime you get one free twitch prime gaming sub each and every month where it does help out more than you can imagine vixler's uh you can be just like vixler who subscribed with prime uh 11 minutes ago so thank you so much for that um so you can support us over there or if you're listening to this and have a youtube account and yes i know everyone listening to this has a youtube account Go to youtube.com slash Crash Pond where you can help support us. You can subscribe to our channel, um, like our videos, everything like that that's completely free to you. We also have the availability for Super Chats, availability to have a channel subscription, a uh, paid subscription to the channel, which just helps us out more than you can imagine. So we got this chat from Zixler. Can we get life updates from our two hosts? Wow. Yeah. Pers- personal. Yeah. Uh, I'll go with the low-hanging fruit.
0: Okay. Uh, my birthday is on Thursday.
1: Yep. A little Thanksgiving birthday. So wish me wish
0: me happy birthday. It's my Carrie I,
1: Price year. Are are people yeah, are people really gonna wish you happy birthday on Thursday after Wednesday's game though? I mean they might. They, they might. might be
0: they might be like, dang, that guy that guy was
1: right. That guy had to eat a hat. That guy's gonna to have to eat a hat. Dang.
0: Um yeah, it's my carry price year. Feeling good about it. Yeah. You know? Thirty thirty one never looks so good. Yeah. It's a good year. Just agree. Year. Just just agree. Pretend to agree. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't actually say anything.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm not. Uh, for me, life's good. Uh, life's good. Can't really complain. Uh, Luke is uh, starting to walk and we are taking him to his first game on Friday. So nice. I'm very, very excited about that. And I will be in your midst soon. You will be. And we will be doing a little meetup also. I don't know if we're just keeping that to Discord or not, so we shall discuss that part. Um, If uh, if, if
0: they actually lose 5-2, you know what? Actually, I'll say this. Okay. I'll say this. So, full disclosure, Okay. I I will not be watching the Ducks-Kings game live on Friday because I will be at Sharks-Canadians in San Jose. Okay. And maybe the Ducks or the Canadians getting a, their bad game out of their system on Wednesday so that I can see a win in person. There you go. I wouldn't hate that. I wouldn't hate that. I would eat, I would eat my hat with glee if that were to be the case.
1: Okay. There it is. Uh, Melissa said, uh, who do you think the next captain will be?
0: Leo Carlson.
1: Troy Terry. Planting my flag. Okay. Planting my Um, flag. Leo
0: Carlson has all the makings of a, very steady, calm, excellent captain. He is the franchise. He is the best player sure. of any level, whether prospect, team. Uh, I think it's going to be Leo Carlson. I'm going with him.
1: I'll go Troy Terry. It
0: to me, if it if it was if it was going to be Troy Terry, it would it would have happened this year. Probably, I, we'll but see. But I could be wrong. I could be wrong about that.
1: Yeah. Uh, Austin Price says, what defines a successful season for the Ducks?
0: I mean, I'm gonna still stick to my preseason expectation, which is just solid process and growth of the young players. Uh,
1: yeah, I, I think, I think to put it to numbers perspective, I think the Ducks being at least in the race at the end of the season to have some meaningful games yeah. down the stretch.
0: Well, like if all the if, if the things that I am looking at happen, I think that
1: they will be there. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So I I agree with that completely. I just kind of want to put that that spin on it that having those competitive games down the stretch where the Ducks are in in a race, maybe they make it, maybe they don't. It's kind of up in the air there, but as long as they're in that comp- competitive race where the season's not over in March or eight, or February, like that yeah. is a, a successful season in my opinion for this yep. team. Yep. Um uh, Vixler said uh Jake updates on your kids skating progress. Well, Yeah, tell to- us. Tonight, prior to the podcast, when him and I were playing, he was uh, hitting a ball with a, a little mini stick. So there's an update on his hockey progress. Yeah. And we're, we're working on we're working on walking, working on where, walking. Where are the skates? <laughs> maybe a good old Uncle Felix can get him skates, and we can get him on the ice when you're here. Oh, yeah. How about that?
0: Yeah. Let me let me yeah let, let, yeah. let me yeah. buy them with all that all that money I have. Yeah.
1: Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Just, just um, burden. burden I mean, that would actually be fun. Maybe maybe we look to do that while you're here, though. Take him yeah. on the ice for the first time. See how that would work. I that would be that would be awesome.
0: Okay. I would be happy if that happened.
1: Let, let's see. Let, the ball let's is, see. Ball is
0: now in your court. Let's
1: see how he's walking around that time. Well, walking and skating are two different things. Uh, Yes and no. He needs to be able to balance and not and not be crawling still a bunch where he would want to crawl on the ice and then start crying with his hands on the ice. So I mean, what you
0: do is what you do is you hold them, you know, in front of you. Yes. So you don't actually let them go off and ski on their I, own. I understand. I you understand. can let go for like half a
1: second and see how how it goes. I understand. I'm also trying know. to protect my back. Uh, oh, so it's about you. Yeah, it's it's about you. God damn. No, may, maybe we do that though. Let, let, sure. Let's figure that. out. That would be fun. Maybe we take some videos and put them on Discord. Um yeah. All right. Littericall, our good friend Bonnie said, "Jake, did you see the Friends Giving episode?" So I did. It was it was entertaining
0: are you pavel talking about Minchik- the ducks
1: video yes him just crapping on i forget what it was pavel minchikov was just crapping on just everything. That, that russian like deadpan was just great yeah it was really really good so yeah all right oh, oh wait we've got shit show questions so we're at the, at the end of the show we get our shit show questions in uh let's see <laughs> terry we have two terry Sava said you <laughs> let's do a fun game you're both at a ducks game you've brought uh, signs in and are 100% guaranteed to appear on the TV ju- slash Jumbotron. What words are on your sign? If Jake shown, uh, is shown before Felix's and vice versa. Uh, how do you spite one another via sporting event signs? Basically?
0: I mean, I'll just give the boring answer,
1: which is like something about crash the pond and fall. Yes. Yeah. yeah. To be honest, I, I don't think either of us would go for that level of like spiting each other with a sign. I
0: mean, I've had my snafu at Honda center, <laughs> you that, have that I that has gotten me in hot water with with the team so I don't need to repeat that so yeah just crash the pond
1: yeah uh duckstrap said if you were going to say that someone lost convincingly in a hockey game what would you consider that to be determined by score advanced stats the old eye test I reserve the right to okay. determine that I will base it on the
0: facts the facts will guide me isn't that what okay. we all do okay all right we should get out of here <laughs> Did, did, did minchikov actually call the
1: turkey chicken yes
0: or he said it tastes
1: like chicken yeah he said it tastes like chicken and then called it chicken after the fact <laughs> on purpose it was it wasn't like a like mix-up it was like calling it to like get to gaslight people and make them mad that's actually i i actually really respect that yes that, i think fig- i figured
0: you would that that makes him shoot up my rankings now because of that and you can just see when he says it the smile on his face he has a very like mischievous look to him yes he does like you you can just tell whatever he's thinking is probably not safe to share on the pod so uh i just love like leo carlson is like you know pretty like politically correct And, and you know you have two guys who aren't from you know the u.s and then you have lacombe who's like older american i mean you have three guys stock answer and then you have minchikov So Yeah. It was funny. Content. Yep. 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 Good stuff putting out there. Constant con did I say constant? I don't know. Words are escaping me. Yeah. Um on that note though, thank you everyone for listening. This was a really fun show. If you want to help support us, number one way, check out our Patreon page. Uh just search patreon.com slash crash the pond. For two bucks a month, you get access to our Discord server. Super fun you know, you get to connect with other diehard ducks fans always know what's going on with the team without having to go on Twitter, which uh, these days is it always, it's like clockwork, you know, every couple months, just something insane happens on Twitter. Find us on blue sky. (laughs) Here we are again. And so if you want to get away from that, if you want to get off of that platform, honestly, discord, our discord, I should say is probably the best replacement possible. And you help support us, so it really is going to a good place. And then you can up you can upgrade your support, seven fifty a month. You get access to the Discord server, two bonus podcasts. We just recorded one on Saturday or Friday. I don't remember. Um, I think Something it was like Saturday. That. Yeah, and that was a that was a mega pod. Uh, we looked at league wide stuff. We also talked about uh, the controversial no goal call. So if you want our more yep. nuanced thoughts on that, um, you can get that there. And then with the two bonus podcasts, you also get bonus player breakdown videos. So if you have seen the videos that we've put out, I crash the pond YouTube channel, uh, we are putting those now with the Patreon. So you can get those there too. There's one up right now about Troy Terry. And what I'm kind of realizing about doing these for Patreon is I can be a little more unfiltered in some of my commentary. So just, just what, putting that out just, there. Just let it fly. Just putting that out there that's all at patreon.com slash crash the pond um, another huge way you can support us is especially with the holidays coming up go to our website crashthepond.com. we have a shop go to our shop page and i don't know if you can see it on the screen but i've got the anaheim vibes t-shirt they're up on our mm-hmm. banner here as well and if you want to get that shirt if you want to gift it to someone uh special in your life or get it for yourself I would highly recommend it. It'll look great. You know, we're going to manifest the vibes to come back. They aren't there right now. Three game losing streak, but give it a few games, give it a good winning streak and the vibes will be back. They're really comfortable. I'm wearing one right now and it helps support your favorite podcast. So how can you go wrong? There's other stuff there too. Um, You're not limited to that specific shirt.
1: Great sweatshirts.
0: Yep. And uh, other stuff to come. Like we are, we're going to be adding to that, to that Mm -hmm. shop. So don't consider this the end of the line. Yep. And then subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review there. Follow us or subscribe to us on Spotify, YouTube. Follow us on the website, the one letter website. <laughs> um, follow us there. And with all that being said, Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. I should probably say that because by the time you're listening, it'll be Thanksgiving. I want to say that I'm thankful for all of you. Thankful for Jake. Thankful for every everything and everyone that's involved with this. It's going to be a great holiday. Enjoy it. And with that, talk to you next week. Have a good one.
1: Ditto and bye.